Welcome to another amazing episode of the Pace and Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, James Pace, and on today's episode, I have Lou Pimmer, former law enforcement agent and actor, now running for sheriff of Pima County. And in our discussion, we discuss victimless crimes, our differences in perspective of the law, and what he would do to resolve the police abuse of power. But before we get started with that conversation, I'd like to make a few announcements. And one that I am very honored to announce, and I have already announced on social media and on a live video, is that we will be having the Stevie Madison as my co-host. And I'm very excited. It's just such a great privilege to have her on part of the team, part of the podcast. And I think it will just make the episode so much more dynamic. And it, it's going to be great. It's another step forward for this podcast that you know I would have never imagined getting this far. So thank you, Stevie, saying this public that I am honored to have you on board part of the podcast and as my co-host. With that said, we need to get Stevie set up for podcasting. And one of the things she'll need is a microphone. So I'm hoping that we can perhaps get our listeners to help us with that by donating to the podcast. So if you go to www.paceandfreedom.com and if you go to the merch section, there's going to be another little menu there for donation. So go to the, you go to the website, hit merch, and then the merch po- uh, page uh, pops up, and then there's going to be a button on the top that says donate. So make a donation so that way we can get Stevie a good microphone that she can use, a decent microphone and uh, be part of this amazing adventure with me. Think, again, it's just going to make this podcast so much better. The other thing you can do to help is make sure to subscribe. I get a lot of listenership. I see that the downloads are just increasing every day, and we're uh, about to hit, just within the last two months, a thousand downloads, which is just amazing to me. I have never better than the last season, and in the entire last season the entire last season was about six months and i didn't hit a thousand and we're about to hit a thousand downloads just in the last two months so i think that's wonderful news right there and so if you subscribe it just makes it easier for people to find us the more subscriptions we have and the more uh reviews you give on apple Podcasts, you're able to give a review a uh, between one and five star review and that's what moves the podcast up on the uh, search algorithm. So please subscribe, please like, please share, please review. All this stuff will make it to where we can move up to the top and more people can find the podcast and the more listenership, the more downloads we get. And again, go to the website, www.com paceandfreedom.com and you can find a bunch of neat stuff there the merch store you can donate you can find all the past episodes how to get to the episodes in the different platforms and you can look at uh previews of upcoming uh episodes so so without any further delay let's go ahead and start our conversation with uh lou pimmer so I have special guests on today. I have Luis Pimmer. Now, 
Luis is running for sheriff and uh, has been in law enforcement. So I'll let you go ahead and uh, kind of give a, a brief bio and introduction. Thanks for being on. Hey, right on. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's James, right? Correct. Right on, man. Good to meet you. And um, and I appreciate uh, Andrew for referring me over uh, you over to me. And I'm always open to having conversations about you know what we what I've done, what I've done, and kind of where I'm going. And and um, so I appreciate you having me on. Uh, a little bit about me is is I'm uh, you know my name is Luis Pember. I go by Lou Pember as well. You know, as growing up, you know, I had uncles call me different things from Louie, Luis, Lou, uh, and a couple of other names that I probably should leave out, but, you know, I, I'm one of those. And so I, um, I'm i originally born in Mexico, uh, born in the lot of Sonora, Mexico, and, and uh, fortunately, I was able to, you know, uh, immigrate legally into the United States uh, as, a, as a, uh, a resident alien. I remember at some point in time, I was about 19. I became a U.S. citizen in my Army uh, Class A uniform. And, uh, you know, I was just, I thought I was going to go to war. I was like, well, I better be a U.S. citizen if I'm going to go to war. So I, somehow that process was, was sped up, and I was able to become a U.S. citizen. And I was able to serve as an Army combat medic and an MP. You know, during that time, I was able to support the law enforcement mission of the Pima County Sheriff's Department as an analyst. And um, enjoyed that very much, which eventually led to me uh, pursuing a career in law enforcement. Worked here locally in Tucson, and uh, immediately I was assigned to a couple different task forces. You know, and, and uh, I was able to, you know, serve as a as an undercover detective with the state gang task force, investigating a lot of weapons related crimes, drug crimes, and just gang-related violent crimes as an undercover detective, uh, working all over the state in different places. And then uh, later on, I was assigned over to the Haida Drug Task Force, where I primarily worked undercover for most of my career, uh, supplementing the law enforcement you know, missions of various agencies from state, local, federal, county. And uh, I really enjoyed what I did. You know, I thought I was going to do that the rest of my life, and then and, and one day I almost did. I was in, a, uh, in the middle of a, of a uh, very dangerous, and they're all dangerous, is, you know, just sometimes you don't know where the danger is going to come from. And uh, this was a multi-kilo undercover cocaine case, straight out of Miami Vice type of thing, you know, and or Scarface, whichever one you watch the most, you know. And uh, I got hurt in the process, you know. Everything was done right from the beginning. You know, we met with a guy, dangerous guy, who wandered in Mexico for some uh, violent, violent stuff he had done. And he was up here uh, middling cocaine deals. I get introduced to him. We, we start a friendship. Eventually, you know, we, 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 he brings me a bunch of cocaine and, and uh, we meet with, with his people. And during the arrest phase of this investigation, I was, I was hurt. I got injured. I got, I got brutally injured in, in the process. And sadly, I was injured by, by police officers, you know, SWAT people. And they uh, beat me up pretty bad. Traumatic brain injury, dislocated jaw, permanently damaged my left ear. And a lot of other problems would come with, with a traumatic brain injury, but you know, I I couldn't I couldn't sit I couldn't I couldn't sit around for four years as I recovered uh, and, and sit sit around and blame other people. You know, um, person who did it was somewhat held accountable, but not really. And but I I had to uh, eventually just forgive and forget and move on. And I was able to reinvent myself and led me to 
things like building homes for people. And I built some houses for underprivileged people. And, and um, I then, uh, which led me to a career in, in film and in television. I was able to uh, appear in a couple of different shows. Uh, Breaking Bad is one of them, gang related, and a bunch of other movies and commercials and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was in the process of reinventing myself. I, I always tell people I am a comeback story in progress. It just never ends. And so, you know, literally led me to, to become a, an entrepreneur. I own a financial firm with my wife uh, called PHP Agency, locally in Tucson with a 212 financial group, the extra degree. And, uh, you know, we have brokers and other brokers in Tucson, three other brokers in the Phoenix area. We're expanding. And, you know, when I started this business, I was approached to run for sheriff by people within the sheriff's department. And uh, I turned it down primarily because I wanted to start a business. And uh, opportunity came up again. Problems with the guy, you know, currently in office, the current sheriff. And uh, I would feel remiss if I didn't run uh, on the Republican Party to oppose him. And uh, security guy running on the Democrat side, his name is Kevin Kabisky, really sharp guy. And I said, well, you know, I should run. And, and uh, it's my right to run. And, and by the way, everything I've shared with you right now, everything I've shared with you, I actually wrote this down years ago. I was a, uh -huh. child. I was a child and I wrote down that I was going to be the greatest law enforcement officer that ever lived. It didn't happen, but it came pretty close. You know, I, I, I wrote right. down that I was going to be Inspector Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I should have wrote man. You know, that didn't happen. Uh, I wrote down that in the sixth grade on a piece of paper, a teacher said, what will your dream job be? I'm like, well, I don't know, man. No one knows. I can't dream. I live in South Tucson. I live in a garage. My dream is to have heat, you know? And so right. I, I wrote down that I was going to be a stuntman. And one day uh, I'm on the set of Breaking Bad and what I was doing at the time was considered a stunt as a camera pans down right, right next to my face. And the chills came over me, man. I was I, I just realized, oh my God, I just fulfilled that goal that I wrote down when I was in the sixth grade. Now, I wasn't going to be that fact that I was an actor. It was like, wait a minute, I wrote this down and I saw it one day, you know, and, and I was inspired right. by who did his own stunts on chips, you know, and, um, and then one day I wrote down that I was going to probably run for office someday so I can help my community, you know, and, and, uh, and so everything's, it's all kind of coming true. If you, you know, if you work hard enough, you, you can make it happen. You got to be willing to put in the grind, you know? So that's who I am, but thank you. Yeah, no, I, you know, for me, it's kind of inspirational to see somebody that was able to come to this country and just, like you said, really grind and get, get somewhere. And I tell people all the time, you know, if you really put in the work and the commitment and the discipline into something, you can achieve a, a lot. Uh, even if life throws some curveballs at you. I, I mean, I've had my fair share of curveballs thrown at me and I, I consider myself a, a survivor of sorts yeah. and just trying to make it through things. And Get it now I'm not like wealthy. I'm not, I, I'm still a working class person, but to say that I've been able to talk to somebody that was on Breaking Bad, an actor from Breaking Bad and uh, been able to talk to Andrew McLaren and talk to presidential candidates and other politicians, I've never would have imagined making it that far. 
if it weren't for me just being tenacious, even with, you know, all these life, um, life events that kind of would set me back at times, but if being tenacious and being committed and being disciplined can get you very far. So definitely an inspiration. Now I wanted to talk because I'm, I'm personally, if, you know, we kind of talked offline a little bit through texts and emails. Yeah. And as you know, uh, and we even had a phone call, as you know, I'm a, I'm a libertarian and I created this platform, uh, this podcast, because one of the things that kind of irritated me listening mm-hmm. to other libertarian podcasts and listening to conservative podcasts and liberal podcasts is that all these different podcasts and YouTube channels are all echo chambers, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're just preaching to the choir. And on top of that, I notice that when I talk to somebody, if I don't mention that I'm a libertarian and I start talking to somebody, I talk to a Republican or a Democrat, uh, a conservative or a liberal, if I don't mention what I am, they tend to listen. Yeah. And they tend to be a lot more open about having a conversation. And as soon as a label is thrown in that conversation, the, the, it just changes. It becomes hostile. It becomes, uh, it becomes almost uh, defensive uh, communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I created this plan. What's that? I've had the same happen with me. Right. And it happens. It's just how people naturally go into judgments based off of labels. It's just like if, you know, when you think of, you see somebody come in and, you know, in their background check, it may say that they have like a red flag of some sort and automatically people think that he must have committed the worst crime in the world and -hmm. that's how they'll treat him. And he might've just made a mistake, a simple, you know, uh, mistake in life and didn't really mean it. And he served his time and is trying to make it work and people just prejudge them because of that label. So that's kind of what I wanted to create with this platform was to create a platform where people, no matter what you are, can have a civil conversation and at times even a civil discord. And one of the things for me, I'm a libertarian. I believe in that there are victimless crimes. We have laws in the books that, incarcerate people for things that didn't really, you know, they haven't hurt anybody. They, they, uh, there's no victim involved. I believe those exist. And I know there's a lot of people from different political spectrums that don't believe in that. They believe that if there's a law in the book, that must mean that there must be a, a victim. And if somebody goes to jail for it or to prison for it, they must have deserved it. Yeah, and I, I, for me, that's frustrating at times. And I see a lot of law enforcement agents where they have that kind of perspective: is that you know, if you have done something, regardless if there was a victim or not, and they might have not even done something; they might have just been in the process of committing a mistake, for example, and they treat them like a, a complete criminal. Mm-hmm. So, you being in law enforcement. I'd like to know your perspective and what maybe you consider if you believe in that there's victimless crimes and 
what is your perspective in it? Yeah, there you know there are some crimes that are considered, I guess, victimless crimes. You know that that, that I, I can see why some people and I and I've heard this be brought up many many times, even when I was in law enforcement. You know, but when you look at how laws are are, are made, there's there are laws that are you're breaking a law that is. Uh, you know, when laws, you know, they, our laws come uh, start with the Ten Commandments, right? If, you, if, if, if that's what I believe, right? With, with the Ten Commandments, and then from there, there's there's man-made law, right? And then there's right. laws that are, you know, you can break down state, federal, county ordinances, and city ordinances, and stuff like that. Most laws are designed to maintain order and to prevent things from, you know, getting getting even worse. You know, from escalating from there. You know, when you look at uh, a crime, let's say, you know, the the one that always comes to mind is prostitution, right? Because it's two consenting adults, right? Right. Um, that was the most common one. You know, in that sense, it some states have made it legal, but it's also heavily regulated. You know, um, where it is illegal, um, it is my understanding that. It's become against the law because one is considered immoral. Number two, it's then it, be, it can become a potential health hazard if it isn't controlled, right? Um, and so, in order to prevent it becoming a health hazard, they make it against the law. They pass a law, right? And then where they make it lawful, then the government gets involved and then has certain parameters of control, right, for the people in that type of business. Right. So um, there are some, you know, victimless crimes like, you know, uh, drinking alcohol, right? They may say, well, there's no victim, there's no crime, I'm just drinking. But the problem is if you're underage and drinking, it's a health issue, it's a health matter. It can lead to a health problem, right? So, or if you're drinking, there's no, no victim, no crime, I'm just drinking in public, well, that can lead to other misbehavior as well. So it's, and most of, most of the victimless, these type of crimes that are, don't result in anyone going to prison, from what I understand. They typically, when someone goes to jail long-term, they may have been stopped for a, considered a quote-unquote victimless crime, but because they had other offenses, like other warrants, other violations that occurred in the process, that is why someone ends up in a in a prison or long-term detention in a county jail. Um, but that's kind of been my experience with it. And, you know, some victimless crimes are like speeding. You know, there's nobody. I'm not killing. I'm not hurting anybody. Right. But but you have to remember that driving on, a, on an interstate or on a roadway, it is in our right. It's a privilege to drive on those roadways, just like having a driver's license is, is can be revoked at any time so speeding can be considered criminal can be you know at a certain speed now you're 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 driving so fast that you now pose a threat to not only yourself your occupants but other drivers so therefore if you get stopped you you can potentially be paper arrested and in some places throughout the country you're booked in the county jail until you see the judge and the argument is i wasn't hurting anybody you weren't but we've proven the fact that speed does and that can kill people. So 
you know, a lot of these victimless crimes or these crimes like that are designed, I think, from at least from what I have seen, they're designed to prevent things from getting even worse out of control. So that's kind of the way I've seen it. Right. But as far as you're concerned, though, like, what is your, like, I know you kind of explained prostitution, right? And for me, you know, the whole health hazard thing I get, and if it's regulated appropriately, you know, because we have laws already in place for, for health prevention, right? Yeah. yeah. And so as long as there's two consenting adults and nobody's getting hurt there, but if you go, for example, and sleep with a prostitute, and most prostitutes, and from my research that I've done, and I've you know, I've had a sex worker on my show, very, very, very few, a very, very low percentage will ever sleep with a guy without using protection, right? I mean, they don't want to get anything either, right? They want to be able to be safe as well. And, but there are laws where if you sleep with somebody, you don't let them know that you have an STD, that's, that's a criminal, um, that's a, a crime with a victim and you know if you do get somebody you know sleep with somebody and not let them know that you have an std you you know you're breaking the law in that case and you should pay restitution for for that crime um for me it's just there's so many laws in the books that it's kind of to the point and there's even i mean i'm pretty sure i break at least three laws uh, a week at minimum. Yeah, everybody right? does. Exactly, and yeah. you know how can we say that we live in in the you know in a country that's free when any moment you can be thrown in jail for for a crime that you've been committing probably every single day, you know, yeah, without those, knowing because there's just yeah, too many laws. Yeah, most of those laws that we break on a daily, like you know, in Arizona, there's laws like you can't honk your horn unless unless you are using it to prevent an accident uh, and, and are, are warning someone in traffic or something like that. And so if you honk it just to honk at a, a passerby or you just broke the law, but those type of, number one, they're not really enforced, right? But number two, they're not going to land you with the citation even in jail, you know, or any kind of detention. Right. Um, but remember, though, you're talking about these victimless crimes, like we're talking about prostitution, right? Remember, Many of these girls or men, they they become victims in that there's a lot of assaults that occur, rapes, right. aggravated assaults, murders. So it's all this preventative type of the law is almost like money. Many of these victimless less crimes are like laws that are there to prevent it from escalating, you know. And and yeah, every day we break the law. I mean, I if you speed up one one mile over the speed limit, you just violated, you know, uh, a civil a civil infraction, you know. Uh, if you speed beyond 15 to 20 miles, you just, uh, uh, it's a criminal speeding ticket at that point. Now it's a criminal law, misdemeanor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. We, sometimes we, we can be uh, law booked to death, you know, and, and, you know, and yes, we, I believe we do live in the greatest country in the world. For a young of a country that we are, uh, we, the, our success in the world worldwide is really based on the fact that we've embraced capitalism and we have the freedom to buy, sell, you know, with 
hopefully with little as little government intervention as possible. You know, sometimes when the government gets into your re regulates you. It's really to get into your pocket sometimes. You know, especially when it comes to commerce and, and capitalism. But yeah, I believe we are the freest country in the world because at the same time we do have laws that help protect us. Yes, we are. It is a free country, but nothing is free. You know, we somebody at some point paid the price and we have a responsibility as well to each other to abide by certain, to keep it between the lines as much as possible so we can move about freely, you know? So, um, but I can see it from both, both points of view. Yeah. And the one thing I would like to say, I mean, we don't always, and I'm not trying to deny that we're not the freest country in the world at all. Like by any means, I've just had a, a, a nice conversation with somebody from uh, Uganda. He's uh, one of the administrative officers for a, a think tank in Uganda, a libertarian think tank. And uh, he tells us stories where I'm like, wow, yeah, we do have a lot more freedoms than, you know, in other places in the world. Yeah. But with that said, at the same time, on the same token, there's in a lot of, you know, municipalities where you can't move as freely as you would like. Uh, you know, and we can get into the whole Black Ma uh, Lives Matter thing and whatnot. But I mean, there's certain communities where there is a lot of restriction and where you cannot even walk out in the street without being stopped by a cop. Um, you know, and I have a lot of respect for law enforcement. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, I've had friends in law enforcement. Um, and but I feel that law being a law enforcement agent and that was redundant, you, you still have a responsibility to an oath that you've, you swore to, to the constitution. And there's a lot of times where we have laws in municipalities. And I, I kind of pick on municipalities more because yeah, we have a lot of federal laws. We may have a lot of state laws, but a lot of the issue sometimes comes down to uh, the municipalities and the, in the counties where they'll have laws that really violate Fourth Amendment rights, they'll violate Second Amendment rights. And, you know, I've seen it where, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in the First Amendment uh, activism, trying to um, educate people and trying to bring awareness to the First Amendment. And there's a lot of municipalities that will violate those laws. And you have law enforcement agents that will enforce those laws, knowing, or, or they should know anyways, that those laws are unconstitutional and they've sworn an oath to the constitution first. Yeah. Can you give me an example of, some, of, of, of that happening, of, of a violation of first amendment or even fourth amendment? Well, I mean, of the first, I mean, the second amendment is kind of easy. That's been on the news. You know, we've had, I mean, in California alone, we have these very restrictive uh, gun control laws that are just kind of ridiculous. You know, I'm not even allowed to, to really own a gun. I have had to send my guns to my father up in Montana because, you know, they're just so restrictive to, to own. And then we had the issue down in Virginia uh, where they've just put a lot of uh, red flag laws in and uh, well, one, and there's already been two deaths because of it uh, because, you know, yeah. of law enforcement trying to uh, confiscate these guns and resulted in, and deaths. So that's an example of that. And then you have 
uh, Fourth Amendment laws, there's still a lot of cities where they have stop and frisks, and that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Um, if you want to go to federal, I consider the TSA a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And if you go to First Amendment, there's a lot of times where some of my friends that are activists trying to um, bring awareness to the First Amendment, where they'll go to a protest, a peaceful protest, and they're forced to shut it down. That's a violation of your First Amendment. You have the right to assembly yeah. and uh, freedom of speech and freedom of uh, press. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I see, I can see how you, you might, you can see it that way. I totally get it. Like, I mean, we have freedom of speech allows us to say, allows us to speak and speak up and speak out. At the same time, we have a set, we also have a responsibility when we do that. You know, for example, I can't go into a theater and just scream fire because I, I have freedom of speech to say that, but then here comes, I have an obligation at the same time. Uh, I'm going to run into the law when I do that, you know, so our freedom of speech, you know, because there has to be a sense of order, you know, you're allowed to post up at a location, get a permit so that law enforcement is aware that you're going to be there because law enforcement's job is also to protect, to protect your right to speak. So someone can't come up to you and harass you or, or, or because you're speaking, but yet you've been, you pull the permit, you're there lawfully, you're exercising your First Amendment, right? But then what happens is sometimes it always takes that one person who come in who just messes it up for everybody, you know? And and it could be on either side of it. It could be on either side. As uh, a group of people gather together to, to have a speech and then one person, but there are certain regulations you need to do within this, this location, within this boundary, you know, so that you're, you're being heard and, and it's done in an orderly manner. All of a sudden, someone then just decides to that's it up for everybody, and then it turns it into a riot, you know. So, and it could be from either side, you know, both sides, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then in terms of, I agree with you on the whole gun thing. California's it's even getting worse. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, a lot of times, you have to look at the leadership in the in those states. You know, what is their approach to the law, and how do they interpret law, and how do they feel about it? You know. I agree. California is way overregulated when it comes to guns, uh, much like New York, Chicago. Yet it's riddled with gun violence. You know, um, yeah. I mean, in terms of the Fourth Amendment stop and frisk, you know, there is case law. Obviously, it supersedes state law, and as long as in the case law has been found to be constitutional by the Supreme Court on a stop and frisk, you can't just stop and frisk just because you want to. And has it been has it been abused? I'm sure it has. Well, I've seen it, you know. Um, but stop and frisk is designed to be used when a law enforcement officer has the reasonable suspicion to believe this person may be carrying a weapon or in possession of a, a legal substance or a contraband or, or some crime had just been committed and they need to stop and talk to that person. And the concept, but then the state law, uh, case law says, all right, once you've determined that nothing is afoot, no crime is afoot, then you need to let that person go. And it's just, in that period of time is subject to interpretation 
but generally speaking, it should just be a few minutes, you know. Um, when I was in the gang unit, you know, the stop and frisk was something that was utilized to, to maintain a safe environment. Uh, New York implemented it years ago, and it, it drove down crime because the guys who were breaking the law knew if I look like a bad guy and I act like a bad guy and I say things that sound like a bad guy, there's a good chance someone's going to stop and frisk me. And if I'm carrying a gun, there's a good chance I'm going to jail. You see, so it's it stop and frisk poses a deterrent for crime, and it, it, it works, man. I mean, I I've seen it work. You know, for example, if let's say a president is 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 somewhere is going to speaking, law enforcement and secret service sometimes have to stop and frisk you. Got to check. In the interest of safety, for the betterment of the whole, you have to do that. You know, you mentioned TSA. I don't like being pat down by TSA, man. <laughs> I don't like either. <laughs> inconvenience. But you know what, man? I'd rather go through that than have to go through a, you know, an incident like 9-11. You know, and, and as long as it's the, everyone's treated the same, we have to be okay with it. You know, as long as people are treated the same. If there are certain indicators that tell a person, this guy, you know what? I see some flags here. I need to speak to him or her, regardless of age, sex, gender, religious, whatever, pull them aside and have a chat with them in the interest of, you know, um, sometimes we have to deal with the temporary inconvenience so we don't live the rest of our life with regret, you know, unfortunately. I mean, I can see that, but at the same time, you know, Benjamin Franklin, I think, said it the best to if you give up liberty for just a little bit of security you really don't deserve both i kind of paraphrase that but yeah, it's one of my favorite sure. quotes and i mean even you kind of admitted that there are times where those are abused you know yeah. and i mean i can get the point where you know we're not not everybody's perfect but Whenever there's some sort of, you know, I talk about this a lot, whenever there is source, some sort of prohibition of sorts, it creates more violence than than less. And I don't know if you've seen that kind of as, you know, being in the uh, gang and drug task force. Drugs is another thing that I really personally feel that is, uh, you know, and this is coming from somebody that suffers from alcoholism. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people that you you've talk to that were alcoholics or recovered alcoholics, they'll tend to say, oh, I, you know, I think that alcohol should be illegal. Well, for me, I don't believe that even if I'm an alcoholic, I just choose, I made a, a, a choice after hitting rock bottom and I stopped drinking. I haven't, I've been sober for five and a half years now. Right on, man. Thanks. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And, but that doesn't mean that I should prohibit somebody else from drinking just because I have a, uh, you know, what I consider a medical condition. Yeah. Um, and we've seen with the prohibition of alcohol, how much violence it caused. It created gangs, it created street violence. Uh, alcohol was being made in a way that was unsafe and unhealthy. And it created more deaths and more violence than when it was legal. And I kind of find drugs the same way. You know, I think that having these, a lot of these illicit drugs prohibited 
is causing a lot more gang wars, cartels, violence, and for drugs to be made unsafely. I think if it was legal, at least we can, you know, make sure that drugs are being made appropriately, that they're not laced with other drugs and allowing for people that like myself that have an addiction problem to, to get help without feeling like they're going to go to jail because they, uh, they get some help. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I grew up with a father who's an alcoholic and some say, well, he didn't victimize anyone by himself, but man, were we victims of it, bro? I mean, we had a move, no, we had lost so much stuff, uh, schooling, time loss with family. I thought, I think we we're victims of it. I didn't live with a victim mentality, but, but yeah, there are victims indeed. And he definitely had to get help, you know? Um, but there was a lot of what you just said right now, you know, as far as alcohol goes, as far as drug goes, you know, there's gotta be some control over it, you know, and that's, and that's called law and that's called law and then an enforcement of it, you know? Um, do I think that people can, are they free to go choose and do what they want to do? Sure, go ahead. But there comes, there's a responsibility behind it. You have to be responsible for whatever it is you're doing. There's a consequence, you know? And, and um, when you, when you, when you, when someone's, if someone's moving drugs, there's still going to be that worrying that happens because people, whether it's, whether it's controlled by the government or not, there's the people who sell it, cartels, whatever you call it, they're right. going to fight over control of the ports. They're going to fight over who's going to control the port to move those drugs through. Whether there's law or there isn't law, whether it's outlawed or not, there's still going to be chaos, violence, and all those things. It's just, it's just if you look at the beginning of time, there was always some sort of lawlessness that occurred because somebody wanted to have control over something else or an area, you know, um, that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Even as a libertarian, I'm not a, I don't consider myself really an anarchist. I, I lean that way, but I'm, you know, I believe that I believe in the golden rule, right? Um, don't, don't hurt your neighbor. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't steal from your neighbor. Yeah. Right. Other than that, you should, for me, I just think that if you want to do something that might be stupid to yourself, I think that that should be your total right. But the moment that you hurt somebody else, you know, even with myself, I think God had never killed anybody when I was drinking. You know, I've never, um, as far as serious as that, but I definitely had my victims and like you said, I hurt my family, maybe not physically, but definitely mentally and caused uh, a lot of harm there. And one of the things, you know, when I was going through my my recovery, um, you know, I personally don't really like AA all that much. I don't think that's a, um, the most perfect program. But for me, what helped was being able to go to the people that I've hurt and talk to them about it and try to seek either forgiveness or rest, some sort of restitution to them. And I think that is a responsibility that, you know, if you want 
certain freedoms and something that I teach my kids today. I, I try to let my kids be very free and make choices, you know, and they're only nine and seven. And, but I always tell them, you know, remember you may be free to make these choices to, you know, freedom of, of choosing what you do, but always remember that there's, for every action, there will be some sort of reaction, right? Some mm-hmm. sort of consequence. Yeah. Um, and I teach my kids that the golden rule: don't hurt other people, don't steal their stuff. And it seems to work. My kids make, you know, for as young as they are, they make some very, very wise choices. I, I'm always impressed at how my son and my daughter will like how they treat other people. They're very respectful, and they're really good kids. And I think as adults, we should kind of take a, uh, you know, a page out of their book that, yeah, you may have uh, freedom of choice to do things, but just be aware that there will be some sort of consequence and yeah. you may have to pay some sort of restitution. Yep. Um, Agreed. Agreed. But I just feel that there's a lot of unnecessary laws that, to, that go on top of other laws and... Um, make life a little bit more restrictive for the rest of us. I think I think there are some a lot of old laws in the books that are, that are somewhat redundant or that really don't need to be there. But look, as long as as long as you keep it between with, between the lines, you don't run into the law. If you run into the law, as long as you're respectful, as long as you abide by your own constitution and the Constitution of the United States. You know you're gonna be okay, you know, and and um, but I'm 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 thankful there's laws in place to help control certain behaviors, you know, and and help. Some people just don't have a moral compass, and and unfortunately, the law has to act as a moral compass. You know what I mean? And as far as my kids go, I raise them to have respect for one another, the law, and to be. And to, and to strive to be great, productive uh, citizens of this country. You know, both of my kids and my daughter right now is at Lackland. She's 22, just finished a couple years of college. And, and uh, my son just graduated out of Fort Leonard Wood recently, Army MP School, ROTC, proud of both of them. You know, I tell them, look, go out, be the best you can, take what's yours, give to others, lead, learn to lead and, 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 and also learn how to follow, you know? So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of my kids and stuff like that goes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, go back a little bit to the uh, kind of the situation you had when you were in law enforcement and you were undercover Yeah. Um, and speaking about hurting people. And we see this, it comes up in the news where, you know, certain law enforcement agents can be abusive, abuse their power. And then you, you spoke of, you know, how this one particular age, uh, police officer, you know, didn't really pay for, for his, for his crime. He didn't mm-hmm. get maybe the justice that he really deserved. And we see that in the news. I mean, more often than we would like where, you know, police officers would commit a crime. I know Andrew talks about it uh, quite a bit. He's running for mayor in Chattanooga. And, you know, he talks about a few officers that have committed sexual assault, rape, stealing. 
And a lot of these cops will, will get away with a slap in the wrist, you know, or, you know, simply just get fired. And, but they, they get to roam free. And if anybody else would commit these crimes, they, they go to jail. And you're now running for sheriff. Is this something that, what, how do you see this playing out? I mean, I don't know in your department if you have any of these issues now, but if you did have this, these issues, I mean, what, what is your feeling on that? You know, law enforcement's a very, it's a difficult, difficult uh, profession. <clears throat> you know, most of the people that you meet aren't happy to see you. You know, uh, most of the people you meet are going to lie to you. Within those people you meet, there's people who want to kill you. And then within those, there's people who, who either harm you or do kill you. You know, it's a very difficult job. I, I also understand that there is a, and I have to admit, there is a small percentage of men and women who wear the badge who shouldn't be wearing the badge and who are the, the bad apples, right, that ruin it for everybody else. There are, there are those. I, I came across one, you know, in my years working on Harper, this individual uh, beat the living bejesus out of me as I lay on the ground. I suffered those injuries and I subsequently had a medic that retired. And, and, and there's others out there that do either intentionally or unintentionally make bad decisions, you know, and they don't belong in the, in, in the field. They don't belong in, the, in, in, in law enforcement. And, and, and unfortunately, we live in an imperfect world, you know, and, and, it's in the, and there's actually more clergy that, are, that go bad than, than law enforcement, you know, and so. Um, those that are found to have broken laws have, have been prosecuted, you know, and many, and I'm sure a few have not been. At the same time, there are many people, everyday citizens who have broken the laws and done things that have not been prosecuted for it, and many that have been prosecuted for it. You know, um, I believe that law enforcement should be held to a higher standard, and I believe we do. Now, does the individual officer or agent hold himself or herself to the higher standard? I don't know. They should. You know, as an elected sheriff, I'm going to make sure the men and women of Pima County are held to a high standard, but at the same time that they hold themselves to a higher standard. We are the heroes. We don't wear capes. We don't fly. We're not bulletproof. But we, we answer the call when no one else wants to. And we have to make decisions they have to make decisions in a matter of seconds on whether someone lives or dies, on whether they're going to go home or they're not going to go home alive, and whether their partners are going to be help, you know, alive as well. It's a difficult task. It's a very difficult task. No, I mean, I, I, would, I don't deny that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely not a job that I would personally want to do. I. I told people that as I was leaving the service, you know, and I was trying to look for a job. It was really uh, hard for me initially to find a job uh, getting out of the service. And everybody kept telling me, you know, oh, but you can get a job easily if you go become a, a police officer, you know. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't imagine myself putting myself in that situation. And, you know, it's because it is a lot of responsibility. It's it it's and it can be tough for a lot of people. And I do recognize that. And 
on this on that same token, I also see where a civilian it's almost like a civilian has to be held to a higher standard sometimes than a, a police officer. And I'm sure there are cops that do get the full prosecution and go to jail for committing crimes, but we see more often than not where they don't, you know, and that could be just because of the media. I, I won't deny that either mm-hmm. because it can be more sensationalized to see a cop, you know, get away with, with murder and then seeing a cop, getting the full book, right? But if a civilian, anytime a civilian does commits one of these crimes, they automatically get the full book. And we don't see that all the time with cops. There, there seems to be some sort of a preference there. I, I, see, I have, to, I have to disagree there because I've been on both sides, right? I've, I've investigated uh, cases on behalf of the defense, right? Where their client committed a felony crime violent crime, murder, whatever the case may be. And these people who are the accused are, are I mean, whether they, you know, they, they've, they're given every opportunity to prove their, 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 their innocence, you know, and, and, uh, and many of them, you know, they get charged with a lesser crime, right? Depending on their history, depending on their priors. Uh, in many cases, they may go from, uh, a certain murder class to a lower a lower murder class because someone investigated the incident on their behalf. People like me, I've done that. At, at the same time, a law enforcement officer commits a crime. I've seen it firsthand. The new the, the media will sensationalize it as, oh, they're getting away with murder, or they're walking up to people and just shooting him. It doesn't happen that way. Believe me, I've seen it. I've seen it where police officers are being held to an even higher standard because they're a police officer, because they know better. I've seen it. I've been in the courtroom. I've, I've, I've seen it. The media will share what is, is going to sell. And I'm sure there's been a handful, a small percentage of cops who maybe have gone away with murder. But those who have not, they get, they, believe me, they, they get prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And, and judges have zero tolerance for that. You know, um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of this, a lot of this media does sell a story and it doesn't make any sense. And they still, they'll, they'll sell the lie when, in fact, if they simply just told the truth, uh, the chips are going to fall where they're, they're going to fall if they simply just spoke the truth. You know, so it's, it's I, 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 I've seen it. I've seen them held to a higher standard. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sure there's a small percentage who have gone away with things that they shouldn't have done. And those people do not belong in, in, in the industry, and they eventually will see their way out. Do you see any under your say? You know, you win and become sheriff, and I'm pretty sure you are. By the way, uh, that you'll you'll be the next the next sheriff. Do you have any idea of some sort of policies or that will help kind of keep good cops on the force and? kind of weed out the bad ones you know you know the 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 cream always rises to the top right it always makes its way to the top i think if you impose certain standards eventually those who cannot meet the standard see their way out or are pushed out and and by that i mean we cannot we cannot tolerate 
unlawfulness on the part of law enforcement. We cannot tolerate uh, abuse of the Constitution on the part of law enforcement. We cannot tolerate that type of thing. And a lot of times these abuses of Constitution, sometimes believe it or not, they happen unknowingly. But once you know, once you're starting to do it knowingly, and you've been advised, you've been counseled, you've been retrained, then you need to stop. Right. And, or you have to way out. And so I think if if we maintain a high standard for ourselves, eventually those that don't belong there will see their way out. You know, and 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 we, you know, the news media stuff like that don't give us a fair shake. When when law enforcement do something right, they don't talk about it. You know, every day, every single day, a cop, a deputy, a sheriff, a police officer, an agent gets out there in the field and does something good. Every day. Every day. We can't measure how much crime is deterred. You can't measure that. You can only measure how many people are arrested and detained and prosecuted. And so, but every day, cops do good. Every day. I mean, I feel like we, there should be a way to kind of change that, not exactly stigma, but just kind of change perspective. I know a lot of podcasters that will, you know, kind of shed light to good work that cops do. And it's said that, you know, podcasters, we don't have as much uh, pull as maybe CNN or Fox News. Uh, But I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, I've heard of, um, some municipalities here, some departments, well, and I say here because I'm out here in Massachusetts right now, but, you know, um, but that have done some really awesome things and they've been featured in these podcasts. Uh, You know, there's a chief of police out in uh, Pennsylvania that has developed a, a program to help drug addicts doing amazing, amazing work that should be something that should be on CNN or Fox news and doesn't get there. Facebook should be blowing up with him and he's not, there's nothing other than some of some some podcasting and whatnot. And it's sad. I guess the next thing is give a, give a little bit of a plug-in for your uh, campaign. How can people find you? And for sure, man. Thank you. I know I'm, I'm, I'm running uh, as a, a Republican here in Pima County I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have the opportunity to run and been asked to run again. I, I feel that, you know, Pima County does not need another administrator in office. You know, Pima County needs uh, a boots on the ground kind of person who uh, really has the best interest of the men and women of the field at the same time holding them accountable and being an advocate for them and, and, and hopes to get them the, the pay that one that they deserve uh, and that they've been promised. And at the same time, be able to boost the morale of the department, you know, at the same time, uh, be able to reinvest in the community by way of, you know, partnering up with our local uh, uh, companies here in Pima County. And and they like to implement a program where, you know, a deputy can be a mentor to to a young man or woman in the the community and and with direct mentorship, you know, on a a regular basis, almost like a big brother type program. Because... You know, if uh, there, our communities are lacking in, 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 in leadership, you know, across the country, there's a lack of leadership, a lack of, a lack of, you know, unfortunately, a lack of role models, a lack of fathers in many cases, you know. And so, and, and I think as law enforcement officers, we have that ability to do that, uh, given the chance. 
you know, and, and, and really my role is to, is to, is to uh, enforce state law and fulfill the, the, and uphold the Constitution of the United States. And, and, uh, and, and you know what? It made my mother proud, man. You know, my mother came here from another country. So did I, by the way. And I'll be damned if I'm going to live a normal life, man. I owe it to my family. I owe it to myself, my, my son and daughter to uh, not be normal. I, I have to take advantage of every opportunity that comes my way. And perhaps if in the process I'm able to, I'm, I'm able to inspire someone to do the same, why not? You know, if I'm able to inspire them and if I'm, and I'm, if I'm successful, I hope to be a good role model. I hope to be a good leader and, 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 and have the best interests of the residents of Pima County in mind. You know, I'm not a politician. I guess I am by position, but I'm a business guy. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a United States citizen who's, just proud to be here, man. I'm thankful to be here, you know, and, and this is my way of giving back. Hey, it was a great privilege and honor to uh, to have you on this podcast. Again, this is what uh, it's all about. You know, even though you and I may not agree on everything, but we were able to have a, a, a great and amazing conversation without, you know, throwing turds at each other. And, uh, you know, that's what I think freedom of speech is all about to be able to have conversation and try to work things out. And I guess my hope with people like you going into office is that we can kind of bridge that divide and try to try to live together peacefully without stepping over each other's toes and uh, creating hostilities and hate. When you run out of things to say, people revert to hostility and stuff like that, you know? So I appreciate having me on, man. Much success to you, and be sure to follow my, my page on Facebook, Luis Pember for Sheriff, um, or Pember4Sheriff.com, the number four, Pember4Sheriff.com, and give it a like, say hello, and and uh, thanks for having me on, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome, bud.